0: Because, because I'm a hot, girl, I'm a, hot, girl, I'm a girl. I do hot shit, hot shit, hot shit, Because shit, hot a hot To a very special episode of hot girl agenda this is a very impromptu stream they're all pretty impromptu right now um because i don't really have a schedule to adhere to um because i'm busy and i'm stressed out so we're not doing regular streams <laughs> anymore <laughs> but we are gonna do like random streams like this because i was alerted to the existence of this movie operation christmas drop which is on netflix which we'll be talking about with my guest tonight chris imler Hey Chris, crazy that you share a last name with me, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I still can't believe it to this day. There I don't know. There's just there there are very subtle things that we have in common, but in, in other ways it's just yeah. Yeah, we're alien. nothing
0: alike. Uh <laughs> <laughs> um (laughs) but if you haven't guessed already chris is my brother (laughs) my younger brother and this is his first time on stream with me although i've had him on my podcast that i had before what was it called oh how shit's probably made right uh, yeah i think it was it was a guest
1: appearance from the science department chair of the university of uh phoenix online (laughs)
0: yeah um that was fun i actually posted um s- oh i didn't post your episode on my patreon but i did post an episode where we talked with justin plemons about forestry uh the school of forestry at uf which is
1: <laughs> give me one sec i think i think oh, my okay, wife is what's trying up? To tell me hi
0: Lindell. <laughs> she um, wanted to say hey so tonight we're going to be talking about <laughs> tonight we're going to be talking about netflix's operation christmas drop i don't i don't even know where to start with this freaking disaster of a movie. There's just so much wrong with it. There's just so um, much I guess to because it started at the beginning. It is an
1: actual holiday feast.
0: <laughs> Masterpiece yeah. of cinema Wrong. I mean I thought so it was good. This movie is um all about the liberal war on Christmas. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, it opens up with like an actual <laughs> yes. Christmas drop or something. I, I don't know how much of that was like real or if that was but it was like drops on like a little strip of land and when i first started the movie i thought that guam was supposed to be like one of the remote islands and i was like okay whatever um but i found out that there's actually like remote islands that they, they deliver supplies to and i felt real ignorant not knowing that i thought they were like dropping supplies to like saipan tinian and rhoda (laughs) <laughs> and not like these really 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 small yeah. like atolls and shit um <laughs> uh, so that was my <laughs> bad uh the movie okay so if you don't know what operation Christmas drop is it's like this project by is it exclusively the air Force Chris do you know
1: there's like a navy cameo
0: yeah so it's it's a pro it's an it's like a yearly project by um I, I guess the air Force is like the main like people that uh. That do it, but they drop uh, supplies to like this really small Micronesian islands that um, that don't get like I guess power, regular power and water and supply drops or something. It's one of those things where like right,
1: but then there's that one scene where they are apparently picking up generators from Guam and then dropping them back on Guam from air with, okay, with wait, an Okay, wait. Okay, I, I
0: should I should go back because I didn't <laughs> give Chris the proper introduction. Not only is he my brother. He is also ex-air force. Yeah, you have had a illustrious career in the air force.
1: <laughs> yes, absolutely. Changing changing oil and tires on uh, large old useless military equipment
0: in in the cold of Germany. <laughs>
1: right yeah. yeah in the the, the, per, the perpetual winter of Germany
0: yeah so uh, so that was your air for your Air Force experience but also you and I grew up together on islands uh, and we both left as an- as adults you to join the Air Force me to go uh, be a cokehead in Florida for a little bit and then uh, <laughs> 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 um, ah the good old days
1: uh- <laughs> that's the real Christmas drop. <laughs>
0: Everyone in everyone in Gainesville, Florida, would agree. Right. I think Christmas, uh, Christmas drip. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, so you were in the Air Force. You're out now. Um, you went to right. a University of Florida to study horticulture, and then you went to Iowa, and now you are in Michigan as an extension agent for University of Michigan.
1: Michigan State University, right? So it's the land grant institution. But yeah, very close. Yeah. So first, yeah, the Gainesville, Florida, the birthplace of cocaine. <laughs> um ames iowa birthplace of corn um, yeah birthplace of where yeah where white people were invented uh and then now and then now michigan but you know i I think it's been really interesting i've got to see a lot of the interesting parts of the united states i
0: like the midwest midwest is cool shit i do too i don't think the
1: midwest gets a good a, a good rap for all the things it's got going on here besides corn
0: and frigid winters but yeah, so when I say that we have an expert on the panel right now, uh, in this panel of two, like we have both Guam experts and Air Force experts. And so we're going to just talk a little bit about this movie. Um, let's, so yeah, yes, so th- let's. <laughs> <laughs> um, so first of all, I... I realized the um, the son from the show Vikings is in this. Kristen, did, have you seen Vikings yet? I
1: have not. It's really good. Who, who is he supposed Who's he supposed to be in this show? He
0: is the uh, so he was like the son of the main Viking dude that the show is about. The main protagonist Viking. He's like the son grown up. So he's oh no, but
1: who who is he in this movie though? Is he like Thick McRunfast or what? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's a uh, big McLarge huge. Uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, like this dude is just like impossibly stacked. I don't under. I mean, you're a bodybuilder as well, so you like know, or if I'd, I'd, say, I'd rather say weightlifter. So you're a weightlifter. I spend I spend time I spend
1: time around weightlifters. Yes, I'm just there mainly to take to take to take notes and provide encouragement.
0: But this guy like just seems impossibly stacked. Like how. Like he's like 6 foot 5 or something. And he really does look like every fucking air, right. like airman I've ever met actually. Like that they've really got like a spot on. The casting
1: for the casting for that was spot on a a, bl- a blonde-haired blue-eyed Air Force captain who is like what 6 Three six four, some, like some 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 something tall like that, right?
0: Yeah, just like so cocky, ov- like the overly cocky, like weirdly small mouth. I don't understand. I, I love how
1: I love how he decided, right? It, it was he was gonna take it on as his personal mission to kind of like obstruct this congressional oversight function. <laughs>
0: Okay, we need to talk about that. Okay, so let's let's talk a little bit about the movie, right? So the movie opens up, and I'm assuming anyone listening to this podcast later on will have already watched the movie. If not, stop what you're doing and go watch it. But the movie starts out with basically like the most clunky dialogue ever with this legislative aide to a congresswoman who is like explaining the entire plot of the movie within the first two minutes.
1: Right, Total. just total character explication, <laughs> like, who am I?
0: Glad you asked. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I hate being a legislative <laughs> aide for a congresswoman in D.C. Like,
1: I'm a spunky, can-do businesswoman who doesn't have time for anything other anything else than business.
0: But she had this like, so she's talking to her best friend, right? And this is always my problem with movies like this: is the way that they talk to other people. It's like, did nobody just like say these lines out loud and say like, "Hey, this is not how real people talk to each other." Like, right? Yeah. But she has this line. She's like. Ever since the congresswoman became head of the base realignment and closure commission, it's like, yes, because that's just
1: that's that's totally how you bring up the base realignment and closure committee in regular com- in regular conversation,
0: <laughs> just chewing the conversation. Right. Yes. And it was just like, OK, like they, they needed to get this over with because they knew that this was a Netflix Christmas movie that's going to be an hour and a half long yes. max. So they were just like, let's just get this shit out of the way, right?
1: Right. People are watching this movie while more interesting things are going on in the next room, essentially. <laughs> yeah.
0: And then we like kind of pivot to the good Air Force guy. The ca- I guess his name's like Captain Claus or something. It's so <sighs> stupid. So st- we'll talk about that in a second. They- they- he's like on a Christmas family call, and it's like basically like the whole scene is just like the audience being told how good of a guy he is. The whole movie was just like, this guy's so great. Why is this woman such a bitch? <laughs> like, that
1: was the whole movie. <laughs>
0: Um. So, okay, one of the things that really fucking bothered me about this movie, there was like, okay, I'm sorry, but like the idea of a legislative aide going to Guam and like writing up a report and then the, in- the entire Anderson Air Force Base on Guam being shut down because it's just like the most laughable shit ever, right? Like, you know how big this base is. This is like... This base is worth like billions and billions of dollars. Like yeah, which
1: by the way, real real base, not 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 a, not made up, totally to- totally real. Yeah,
0: they filmed on base too, which is like why I know it's like this is DoD money. Like there's no way. <laughs> They filmed like on... I, they wouldn't just
1: let a camera... Yeah, crew. yeah, it
0: was really <laughs> funny, though, because it's like, oh, God, of all the beautiful places to shoot on island, they chose to shoot in Anderson Air Force Base, which is just like the most boring shit ever. Like,
1: if they had shot any more on-island shots, if they had shot any more on-island shots, they would have eventually had to show the fact that Guam has like a little city and suburbs and we have roads and we have traffic. And
0: a Kmart and a Starbucks.
1: Right, and we don't just, and, and we have doctors. We don't just smash coconuts over our heads until that sorts itself out, right? Jeez.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I love, I love this. Um, I just love the idea of this, like, legislative aide going, uh, going to to Guam for Christmas and be like, "Sorry, Dad, can't come to dinner. I got hired to decolonize Guam. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go shut down a military base." Like,
1: I like how her, I like how her, her, her character arc was. She was gonna show up to help decolonize an island and then change her mind. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's so perfect. Um yeah, but it's like it's also oh just gosh. like really funny like the whole like basis of like the whole um antagonism in the movie is based on the fact that like this one person can shut down an entire military base in the like a strategic position in the U.S., which, by the way, they said that like it was like ripped straight from a Wikipedia article. No,
1: it was I I was thinking about that. So if you go on to the DoD website, right, each each military base actually has its own website. And they usually come with um, descriptions about what the mission of that base is, where their area of responsibility is and, you know, what they accomplish in the region. And it's like, it read like you were reading a DOD website or like the little the factoids off of a congresswoman's, yeah, actual little memo. I was like, God, just straight military recruiting talking points.
0: Oh God, <laughs> it was so painful. It was just like, it really sounded like it was written by recruiters. It sounded like it was written by like local bar owners that like shut down when the military isn't there.
1: <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, no, it sounded like a sales pitch on from someone who went to Guam but never left the military base.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so
1: they just assumed people were walking around in grass skirts still. Yeah,
0: it's it's funny though because it's like the whole premise of this uh this movie is that this one woman it has like the fate of an entire uh, military base in her hands. But it's like, okay, wait. So you're telling me the American government <laughs> that ignores actual war crimes caught on tape is going to shut down an entire base because an airplane is being used without the right paperwork. Right.
1: Yeah. Um, so, but you know what, it's, it's, it's a, it's totally a thing that happens, right? There are these committees on base closure. There are these large committees on fraud, waste, and abuse to figure out. But
0: when has anything ever resulted in anything closing?
1: Oh, actually, that, that's, it's interesting that you bring that up because, uh, where I was, so where I was stationed, I, I joined the air force because I was like, I want to go to America. I want to, you know, get to America and do, do the thing, live in the States. I was immediately sent to Germany. For four years instead, um, and while I was while I was there, they actually got accomplished quite a bit of base closures around Europe. Really, but the thing is, yeah, but it it's like they say, oh, we're we're going to close this base and this base and this base, but that's because they can then consolidate in one area and in that one one area. So they're they're still in the neighborhood; they're just at a different house, essentially.
0: Oh, okay, gotcha. So it's just like really just shuffling shuffling people around and shuffling resources around
1: yeah which is extraordinarily expensive by the
0: way yay (laughs) yeah like it's just of course of course it's not really closing bases of course it's just shuffling it around to like harass more brown brown and black countries right like yeah they
1: realized they were harassing europeans way too much yeah
0: it's like we're harassing we're like up in white people's business too much
1: we need to we need to divert this energy somewhere else.
0: <laughs> it's like I think I think Germany is a bit peeved at us, so we're just going to back off a little bit like. <laughs> but yeah, like okay, so um so this this whole thing is set up like this, right? And then um the legislative aide, I don't even remember her fucking name, Erica or something. Erica, Erica yeah. arrives on Guam and she meets the handsome oh, I think when oh, oh by the way, when she meets Captain Claus, like, they're both on the beach, and he comes out of the water, and this is, like, his wet shirt moment or whatever. And they
1: just start talking. They just
0: start talking, like, no introductions, and she's being real creepy about just being like, hey, nah, nah. and it's just like, all right, weirdo, like. And they
1: never explain how she got there, either. Yeah,
0: but she. oh, she said something crazy, like, yeah, it was a 36-hour flight, and it's like, okay, but it's not, though. <laughs> not that far away i
1: mean yeah
0: it's technically like what like a 24-hour flight but it just seemed like it's a
1: 24 it's a 24-hour flight but if you from
0: like dc yeah
1: whatever layovers maybe but no and also you would not be that enthusiastic about anything after being in the air that long i can tell you
0: (laughs) so he gets out of the water and he's like in his on a surfboard which is just like hilarious to me because like it's hilarious that anyone tries to surf on Guam because the, there's just it's not like Hawaii. What is
1: he surf? What is he surfing? In? I don't
0: know. There he was is... like
1: cor- there was like coral reef a hundred feet
0: out. Yeah, there was like he was like on a part of the beach that was clearly like coral reef.
1: that not make him as much sense as showing up to the public pool with a surfboard. <laughs>
0: Yeah, but even like, but like surfing on Guam is not like surfing in Hawaii, right? I, I guess that's why they didn't cut away to like some big wave thing. Cause they right. Like they were, I don't know why that was like the limit, but they just, or like they just didn't want to buy the stock footage or something.
1: They couldn't spring, they couldn't spring for the, sur- the, uh, the windboard rental instead.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, I know surfers on Guam and they're like, yeah, surfing here kind of sucks.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, surfing on Guam is like a, it's like a concession. you like- It's better than nothing. Yeah, it's
0: better than nothing. And it's like, whatever, do your thing. I don't care. But it was just like, okay, she gets right out of the water. And then they just start on this banter. And, like, it was just so silly. And then um, she gets to, like, her quarters, her living quarters, and um, they introduced this weird, like, fucking Mulan bullshit where it's like a CGI gecko on the what wall. The f-
1: what was that? And, and what was all this lore they kept coming up with concerning the gecko? <laughs> the geckos
0: are good luck. And it's geckos like, are
1: good luck. Don't get, don't get them out of there.
0: But it's also really funny because in my notes, I just have written CGI gecko, CGI gecko, CGI gecko. Because the CGI gecko. I have
1: CGI gecko no less than five times in here. Like, every single time they keep bringing up the gecko, I'm like, what art school student needed to make his mark by inserting this unnecessary gecko into this movie.
0: But also, it's not even, like, a gecko that's, like, native. It's, like, a bright-ass green gecko. No, it doesn't
1: look like anything I've ever seen. We don't
0: have anything like that on Guam. Like, that's so funny that they just were, like, fucking green gecko. Whatever, you guys. And it's, like, the most low-effort CGI gecko ever. And they show it so many times. And it's, like, why are you fixating on this (laughs) obviously fake gecko?
1: Somebody... Who made that movie has a kid who's in art school and this is just their macaroni picture that they needed that they needed to add in. Yeah, it's their IMDB credit.
0: It's so fu- like it's just like that was so unnecessary. Like I don't understand unnecessary CGI because it's literally so expensive. And you don't need, you didn't need it.
1: Right. They could have, they could have put 50 geckos, real geckos on that wall for the price of that CGI gecko is all I'm saying. They could
0: have hired like a local child to just catch geckos and be like, hey, that gecko that we were filming ran away. Can you get another one? And like it would have. But that would
1: actually, that would actually help. (laughs) Yeah
0: that would actually look authentic yeah um this movie was just like oversaturated trash but um but yeah oh and like okay so they did this whole uh scene in um i almost said video village They do this whole scene. Uh, video Village is the name of the, the the name of the
1: the VHS rental store that Sarah and I used to work at. Yeah,
0: the name of the VHS <laughs> rental store that our grandparents owned that we both worked at when we were in high school, high school and like respectively. I owe a
1: lot to those video stories, though, because it was long stretches of, of doing nothing. Yeah. It periodically interrupted by people renting VHS tapes of WWF uh, wrestling, or
0: like walking in and being like, "Do you have that Jackie Chan movie?"
1: <laughs> just like... You just can you can hand them anything. You know, <laughs> yeah, you, you, can hand hand them, you can hand you can hand people anything that is loosely related to what they said, and even if it's not the right one, they'll they'll, they'll be fine.
0: We could do a whole episode about working at that video store because that was so much fun. I owe a lot
1: to that video store. I I finished my entire first Isaac Asimov book at that st- <laughs> At that
0: store, <laughs> I played a lot of Minesweeper in that job. I wish I was doing more drugs at that time because that would have been like a really good time to do drugs. But I was just like a bored teenager. It would
1: have been weird if I was doing drugs because I think I was 11 at the time. Oh, yeah. It would have been very yeah. progressive <laughs> of me. But
0: um. But yeah. anyway, so they do this. Uh, so, yeah, we used to work at this store called Video Village. But um, they did this scene at Chamorro Village, which is like it's like a tourist trap kind of thing but it's also uh, a thing that all the locals do as well because it's like a weekly night market. And I think, and it's open during the daytime too. It's just like a farmer's market. But it's like an Islander farmer's market. And it's a lot of fun. There's like live entertainment. Um, There's like usually like, Polynesian and fire dancers, and they have yeah. like tons of tons of good food. That's like the like that was my reason for going. Is because I just oh and, the, and there's
1: tr- there's this uh, traditional performance group that th- th- that goes out yeah. there uh, as well. Yeah,
0: the, it, it's it's a cool scene. Yeah, it's a lot of fun.
1: The song, traditional song, chant, dance, like it, it was it was it was awesome. Yeah, you know?
0: it was it was really cool. I miss it. I actually like when when I was watching. Uh, the movie, I had this, like, moment where I could almost smell the barbecue chicken. Like, I was like, ooh, I could almost smell it.
1: Right, because this, like, the little, or just what a various meat skewer that was going on that day. Don't ask questions. questions. It's meat on a stick. It's it's meat on a stick. It's the meat on a stick that you know and love, all right? Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it's so funny because they're walking around Chamorro Village, and they made the mayor of Guam, so the mayor of Guam,
1: the mayor of Guam, by the way, yeah.
0: Sorry, I just... That's the appropriate
1: response. That's Losing the appropriate response. The mayor of Guam. Just to clue you in, there is no mayor of Guam, by the way. There's a governor. There's a governor, yeah. And the idea and we have, that... We do have
0: mayors, though. we have, no, we have mayors, but,
1: which makes it that much funnier. But, like, the idea that you would go to the mayor of a one to 2,000-person village and be like, we need you to give us diesel generators, like... <laughs> mean
0: he's like the generator
1: you're like the reverse robin hood you like steal from the poor to give to other poor yeah
0: he's a gen he has a generator monopoly <laughs> it's like gotta go talk to the fucking greedy ass local mayor like they're not
1: they're not like Hoarding generators or manufacturing generators on. Uh, Guam. But
0: the, okay, so did you ever watch *Battlestar Galactica*? Uh,
1: no, no, not one of my uh, not one, one of my digs.
0: I I about lost it though because one of the main characters uh, of *Battlestar Galactica* played the mayor of Guam, and he is like just a straight up white guy. <laughs> and it's hell? like they really tried to make this guy look like somewhat ethnic.
1: Samson? They also look for the most un name ever that ever existed.
0: Samson? Like, where did they get that from? Is that like, maybe they got that from like Samoa or something, because I don't, that's not even like an Islander, like a Micronesian Islander name as far as I know. Or maybe it is, I don't know.
1: Yeah, and also there was basically one local person, the mayor, who had any lines at all in this movie and they somehow found oh, or a, or a name. name and they somehow found a way to vilify him immedi- immediately
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah like the greedy ass mirror but it's, I just thought it was really funny because I was looking at him and before I recognized him from Battlestar Galactica I was like who is this dude? I know he's just a white guy. Like, he's not mixed. He's just, like, an Irish dude. And, like, and I was just, like, it's so insulting because it's, like, they couldn't even, like, pick, like, a mixed race person to, to like, portray our leader. Like, right. it was just really, it was so weird. Like,
1: you really have to give it to them. They did not miss a single opportunity to, like, trash the dignity of the people who live on They wall.
0: really, I was just, like, shocked at how bad it was. Like, I shouldn't. I shouldn't be shocked.
1: Like the the scene where she's hand, the scene where she's handing out markers. Oh my god. And like
0: here's a marker. No! Here's a here's a brush.
1: Here's a mirror. A mirror who is in this who's this demon in this
0: glass? Okay, but the best part of that <laughs> whole scene is when she gives her her entire designer bag and she goes, "You can put your seashells in it."
1: Oh! <laughs> Right, total commonplace problem when you're on go. I'm like, shit, how am I gonna pay for anything if I can't hold my seashells?
0: Shit. Oh my God, dude. I was, I had to stop and like Ben was just like, are you okay? And I'm like, I am losing my mind. Like.
1: It took me forever to get to this, through this movie because I had to pause so many times and just f- fucking collect it myself.
0: It was so bad, dude. Also, just like the oh. fact that they're handing like a hairbrush to these kids with like really clean clothes and like shiny black hair, yes. and it's just like, oh, they, ooh, a hairbrush, and it's just like, all right, but like they just look like regular fucking people walking around, like they don't even look poor, like this is just like what people wear.
1: Right, yeah, there was exactly one scene, there's exactly one scene where I feel like they actually portrayed what people on Guam kind of look like, and it was <laughs> when they're waving goodbye at the C-130 as it left, they're like, bye, see you next year, we'll be waiting.
0: <laughs> yeah, so there's this other scene where um I guess he's like finagling Christmas trees for Guam and it's like like we don't have Christmas trees delivered there all the like every year.
1: Also, what a priority, right? Like let's spend all of this money on in, on donations instead of like rice that could save people. Let's get trees from fucking <laughs> Oregon, right? Yeah. Because they don't because they don't have trees here. They don't have trees. But also
0: like it was such a ridiculous opportunity cuz they could have done like the pom- the 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 coconut tree uh Christmas tree. That I was like, fully expecting that at some point and it never happened and I was like what the fuck? <laughs> I was like the one tro- trope you don't do is like the coconut Christmas tree like
1: Yeah, but they but they did stoop to th- to this f- fucking gem. I hope you like coconuts. We got a lot of coconuts. Yeah, yeah
0: like uh, all right. <laughs> What? Didn't notice that before. Thank you so much.
1: Thanks for that. Thanks for that, Nugget Chaucer.
0: They're acting like most of the island isn't Catholic and we we like we celebrate the shit every year. When whenever they start going in on the Christmas stuff like, "Oh, we got to bring Christmas to these dirty heathens." Like these it's just like fucking or savages. What? Like or we'll just have like a regular Wednesday, like I don't understand what's happening here. Like, why is this important?
1: The the whole idea, I mean, it's just absolute DOD yeah, propaganda. Yeah. The, whole, the whole point of this porn. movie was to was to paint the U.S. military in a, in in good light and to paint the locals as these kind of poor, you know, barely clothed savages who need the occasional diesel generator.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, it's when the, when
1: of course the reason why people are so pissed off. Is that it couldn't, it's so far from the real truth, which is that the presence of that base on that island is totally to the destruction of the local community in so many ways.
0: Yes. And it's, it's, it really is assimilation porn for like racists. Like we didn't have our own culture and traditions and, you know, way of doing things before these white people came in and like gave us Christmas. It's like it's the weirdest shit to fixate on because it's like it's also like Christmas is a pretty ingrained part of Chamorro culture at this point because of Catholicism. So it was just it's just very weird to pretend that it's like wouldn't exist otherwise. Or like yeah. it would just wouldn't be a thing if the if like the air force wasn't there.
1: Right, but the but the the truth is that military bases when they go up they usually have a negative impact on the local economy. Right, that's why people were so excited for the base closures in in Europe mm-hmm. because they knew that their property values were going to go up. They didn't have to deal with the noise and all the the construction mm-hmm. and stuff from from a military base being nearby. On Guam, it's worse because if you don't like things. What do you do? You can't go anywhere.
0: Yeah, it's it's so much worse. And it's also like, it creates even more inequality between social stratas because you have the... Oh, oh the yeah. rent right yeah. there. Yeah, I mean, the fact that a lot of the people we know cannot afford to like live on their own in a decently sized place by themselves. And, you know, everyone we know is like graduating from college and like, you know, working, like working locally, very few people... Yeah, can, those
1: poor fools, they're still stuck on a tropical vacation island but
0: they but a lot of people a lot of locals cannot afford to live on their own fucking land like imagine having to get up and move your family's property or like having to like go to the states be- or because there's just simply no oppor- like no opportunities for upward mobility and like having to leave your ancestral land because because the air force moved in and decided that they needed to um have another like like field uh, in which to test like short range weapons or some bullshit whatever bullshit they're on this time and we i, I do want to do another episode about like uh specifically about what's happening on Guam and Saipan and how like Oh it's
1: just the story is just you you could spend days talking about it this whole this whole issue of inequality for example
0: It's uh it's ongoing colonization when we pe- when people talk about that like uh, about um, and I want everyone to, to think about this as they're sitting down for their Thanksgiving dinner, because this shit is not over. Like this is still going on on Guam, on Saipan, on Tinian and Rhoda and in all the Micronesian islands where like anywhere that the U.S. touches, it enfolds into itself. Right. Like that's the ultimate goal is to make it like another territory or a, another um, colony. Right. And this is not like an exaggeration. Like this is an ongoing ideological project of the State Department to um, just snatch up land and snatch up resources. And uh, and it's really disgusting. And it's pushing natives out of their fucking homes and making it difficult for people who actually live there to just exist and survive. So. Right.
1: And it doesn't and it doesn't even end there with, you know, the damage that's already been done. The the re- I mean this wasn't just a general piece of propaganda. Why would they choose Guam of all places? They could
0: have picked somewhere closer. Well, there's an
1: up- there's an upcoming military expansion going on in Guam, so yeah. they throw up this straw man argument of oh well people who don't like Guam are talking about the air force base right and 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 then of course they pick out the most benevolent sounding activity that the air force base does every year this Christmas drop and they go oh well. People who don't want the basis here are actually against Christmas and the Christmas drop. When actually, it's more, it's more, it's more about just the local living conditions and the fact that if you are in the military on Guam, you get get something in the realm of three thousand two hundred dollars into your paycheck mm-hmm. to pick out uh, an apartment on the beach or a house somewhere. And what that does to the local rent is the, the landlords know that they can jack up their mm-hmm. prices. Which, by the way, the landlords are often white people from America. Uh, the landlords know they can jack up their prices and they'll get these nice tenants who are military. It's a a paycheck that comes in all the time. If they don't get rent, they know exactly who to go to. And as a result, you have to contend with prices that could... uh, you know, match L.A., essentially. When I
0: bring this up to, like, military people, they really, like, people really don't like talking about this, but it's like the U.S. military gentrifies everywhere it goes. Like, it, it is a, such a destructive force... Um, and if you care at all about like affordable housing, like this is like a this is a textbook like study of gentrification and colonization that I, I really feel like should more people should pay attention to. Because it's not like it's over. it It's ongoing. Like the goal is to suck up all the land eventually. Like they're not just going to stop. And the thing is, is like.
1: It doesn't even it doesn't even bring money into the economy the way that they no, say it, it does. Doesn't. the thing The thing that most resembles the economic impact of a military base going up. In a community, is that of a Walmart going up in that mm-hmm. community, yes. right? Overall wages go down. Um, people think that oh, well, there's going to be a lot of business going on, but Walmart has its own distributors. They're getting their stu- they're getting their stuff from the exact same wholesalers. They're not buying local and like th- thinking global. No, they're buying they're buying they're buying the cheapest 100 100 unit pallet of something from a state you know three states over.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's eliminating, uh, it's eliminated, It's basically shrinking all the local business, too, because if you, like, it, it, it's it's kind of like, a, again, it's like a microcosm of what's happening all over America, right? Like, it's, you could really just, like, look at it as if we were a petri dish, because all the external forces of colonialism and racism and capitalism are just, like, coinciding to create just, like, A beautiful fucked up masterpiece (laughs) that anyone that anyone could look at and be like oh so that's what people (laughs) so that's what capitalism looks like when it's working got it (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to let's go back to the movie a little bit because there was a scene there was a scene where they go to a Christmas party where Erica and um, Captain Claus which was what was the acronym that Claus was standing for it's like can't leave can't leave Something without Santa.
1: I don't know it
0: a, it a, it yeah, it was really stupid. but that was like his Nick his call sign or whatever. but uh, so Captain Claus and Erica go to this like Christmas party. and it's so funny because I wasn't really super looking for people I knew before this scene, but I was like, if anyone's gonna be in the if anyone I know is gonna be in the scene, it's gonna be in the party scene. And for sure they did their
1: best to not hire any Chamorro people for this movie though,
0: okay, but for sure, I swear to God in the scene, as soon as I was like looking for it, I saw my, this girl Susanna that I knew from high school that plays bass. I
1: didn't see her. Was she in that scene? Do you know her? Do you remember her? Susanna, if you're watching. She was
0: playing bass. Susanna and
1: I used to be in a band (laughs) together.
0: Oh, that's right. Dude. But seriously, there was like her for sure. And I was like, Susanna. And then after that, there was one other lady where I was like, I'm I'm pretty sure we're related. Like, I'm pretty sure that she's an extended family member, but I just couldn't, I couldn't remember for the life of me.
1: That's, that's fruit low on the branch though. Yeah, like,
0: but it was just really funny that I was like, yeah, I'm going to definitely see someone I know in this. And it was like, hey.
1: Yeah, that's so (laughs) funny. Hey, the goth
0: chick from high school. How cool.
1: (laughs) I had to wince through that entire movie. So I'm not surprised I I missed that. (laughs) Um (laughs) Oh my gosh. Anyway. But yeah, so they're at this, they're they are at, they're at this party, not, not a Chamorro person to be found except Susanna. Oh,
0: the, except the band or whatever. And then like, and the, I guess the help, I have no idea mm-hmm. what was happening in that scene. It was very ridiculous. And then like a bunch of Air Force people, all of which like, they try to make this like weird buddy sideline thing. It's incredible. None of the actors have any chemistry whatsoever. I've never actually seen that in a movie where nobody has chemistry, but like they did it. They managed to make this entire scenes where no one is emotionally connecting with anybody else. <laughs> like...
1: Yeah, it's very tr- it's very true to form for 2020 though.
0: So yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh yeah, but this party scene, um, as Karina brings up, Bruce Best, a longtime local Halle and cool dude, is in the movie. I did not know who Bruce Best was. I actually I actually had to look him up because I was like, is this just like a fake another fake white person I've never they made heard of up? Him. Be like the guy that has the radio that contacts the outer islands. And I was like, whatever. And it turns right. out that that guy's real. And when that
1: doesn't work, he sends smoke signals.
0: Yeah. But apparently this guy is a, a real person. And he does actually operate like ham radios to these like really, really remote islands that probably you and I have never even heard of.
1: You know what, though? Have you ever noticed that there is a cadre of ancient old white men <laughs> that live on Guam that have been there since, like, Reconstruction? Yeah. Like they all got, they've all got some weird story about how they were there when when uh, Yakoy was pulled out of the cave or something like that, or you know, yeah.
0: And they all hang out in like Telefofo at that at Jeff's bar, like yes, the, uh, Jeff's Pirates Cove. Yes,
1: it, it, it's it's like the rendezvous point for all white people on
0: Guam. <laughs> It's a very weird like micro, again, like microcosm of like Guam culture where they just we just have these pockets of white yes. people, and everyone's like, "Oh, those white people."
1: Right. And you know what? It, it, ma- it makes getting away with shit impossible. Yeah right? Because you stick out like a sore throat. There's a very short list of suspects to go through anytime a white person does something.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you're white or white passing, it's just like you're automatically like, we got to check these people <laughs> on this list here. Uh, they hang out with so-and-so. Right. Yeah. I don't know. That's It's it's also just like, I guess it could be like small town culture too. You just have these weird like subcultures going on. But the Jeff's Pirates Cove people are a very weird crowd. Very they like- They have been
1: at that party. They're the kind of like weird Margaritaville, fucking <laughs>
0: like post post hippie boomers. Like, right. Yeah. Definitely. Um. Okay. So yeah. So there, there's this whole party scene, and Bruce, uh, brother Bruce, is in it, and apparently a real person who is really sweet and uh and actually is like one of the good guys, but it was just like it, this whole movie was just like it was like whoever was writing this was just on ambient the whole time and like supposed to be going to sleep and instead just stayed up and wrote this movie over the course of like a week my
1: best best observation i think that i made in this movie though was every once in a while they'd be in a jungle and then you'd hear a little bit of bird song and then we put in the captions <laughs> bird song and the reason that's so fucking funny is because there are no songbirds left on guam there are no And it's for it's for a very specific reason. It's because when the military was running ships and planes between Guam and other local islands in Australia, they dropped off a critter on Guam. You might have heard of it—the brown tree snake. Right? It's a. It's what we're famous for. More snakes per square mile than anywhere in the world.
0: <laughs> yeah, number one, baby. <laughs>
1: this snake wiped out all of the native bird population. And so somewhere around uh, the late 70s, early 80s, all of the jungles on Guam just went silent, which is a fucking insane thing to think about.
0: That's like really some real life apocalyptic shit.
1: I can post a link later. Um, I wrote I it wrote Yeah, I wrote an essay about it. I wrote an essay about it, uh, The Year the the Jungle Stops Singing. And it's a little bit about the historical, yeah, it's a little bit about the historical background and the like, what do we actually know about what happened between the year that the snake got here and then the year that um, its population peaked, which is basically when it had finished eating all the birds.
0: Wait, um, Karina said the birds are coming back. It's wonderful to hear them. How? But also, I'm not complaining, but also, that's cool. But yeah, like, I just remember, like, the snakes. Oh, my God. Just, you and I both have countless stories about snake (laughs) run-ins.
1: The snakes. (laughs) They didn't mention the snakes once.
0: (laughs) I really thought, like, they should have just put a CGI snake in there and been like, the snakes are good luck.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, the snakes, the snakes have to die. Okay,
0: remember when we were, like, living in the eighth floor of an apartment building at Dad's place and, like, a snake came through the air conditioner. On the
1: eighth floor. On the yeah. eighth
0: floor. These motherfuckers get everywhere. They are literally invasive to everything. Oh, my God. You have no... I mean, if you know... if
1: That's not even my fondest memory. I think the best one was we were, we were, we were playing, like, N64. We were playing Smash Brothers as kids. And there's a window off to the side of us. We look out, and the snake <laughs> is just sitting there, just, like, kind of just swaying sees us and then dips down and we're like oh great we need to go address this snake now
0: (laughs) yeah it's like it interrupts like a good gathering and you're just like gotta go deal with this damn snake and like remember how dad would just like have a machete in his truck all the time because yeah so our dad's a teacher and he was like one of the few like male staff So he would have to, like, go get his machete from his truck to go kill a snake in a classroom because the whole class had to stop doing what they're doing and call somebody to kill the snake.
1: (laughs) I'm partially convinced that that's why he kept his job for so long. Hey,
0: you know, that's a skill set right there.
1: Uh... (laughs) Too too expensive to hire a full-time snake killer. And
0: God forbid the government provide that service at all. But uh, but it's funny because that's like it's it's so funny because we don't have songbirds. We ha- we do have snakes. And now we have like those crazy frogs that are super loud. So it's like this just the fucking nightmare island like
1: the koki frogs. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, no. It, it, and it gets it gets better. We we, we got beetles. We got these. Fu- we have these fucking beetles that burrow straight to the heart of a coconut tree
0: are you fucking serious you know
1: what a coconut tree? you've you've felt you've felt a coconut tree it's hard it's not like these these things go straight to the center and then they eat it from the inside out and they kill it oh my god yeah, oh
0: my god. yeah
1: these beetles are fucking these beetles are fucking crazy like
0: it's like the whole island is yeah. like on the first silent hill level before things get like really bad and <laughs> i'm just like it's so fucked up like
1: yeah it's just i don't i have no I've lost track what number plague we're in in guam right now oh well the new one this year too right so at least at least
0: yeah yeah like an actual plague
1: at least at least one more anyway none of these things were met none of these things were mentioned instead they added audio of birds singing because they, they couldn't just take that audio naturally because there are no birds Cause they got rid of the, cause they got, cause they got rid of the birds.
0: Because of the United States of America, baby, woo! Number one in snakes. Oh
1: <laughs> but thank God for these Christmas drops.
0: Okay, so th- the reason why I said that I really think the person writing this was on Ambien is because I was watching the yeah. actual when the actual drop happened. They actually dropped like cardboard boxes into the water because they're unfolding them on the beach. They're unlo- like they're undoing them on the beach. And I was like, is that fucking cardboard box? And I paused and rewound. And it was like, yep, that is a cardboard box that they just dropped onto the beach. <laughs> it's like, didn't nobody... Those are
1: super useful when you soak them in salt water.
0: <laughs> did nobody, like, make a note of that? Like, why didn't you get just, like, a, a crate? Like, a real crate of something, like... And you know what?
1: Ba- back to, like, the crux of what this Operation Christmas Trap is supposed to be about. The reason it's survived so long... Is because they have they have access to this mm-hmm. as good as good PR, right? If they were solely concerned with trying to do as much good as possible, they wouldn't be dropping these things from fucking helicopters and C-130s, which, by the way, is just a fucking bus truck of all airplanes. If you're a C-130 <laughs> pilot, you're basically work for Greyhound. But if they were trying to do the most that they could, they would just send this stuff on boats right yeah. but they have to make this big showy presentation of it so that they can get as much it's like somebody <laughs> giving like a fiver to a homeless person, but recording it from three different angles with like $4,000 worth of
0: video. Yeah, recording. like there is like, uh, what, what pissed me <laughs> off about this whole thing is how they were just like put so much at stake, but it's also like, why did y'all, why did y'all decide that t- to do a Christmas drop in the middle of fucking hurricane, like typhoon season? Cause they know, like cause the it, dumbest time ever to do any kind of drops like these in the middle of typhoon It's not even
1: like season. a big surprise. Like there's yeah. basically one every year around that time.
0: <laughs> yeah, but it's also like if local government had proper funding, this could be a locally run operation, and it would probably be beneficial in the long run because it would create jobs. If you did regular drops to these islands, what kills me about this whole movie too is it's it's like they pretend it's like white people in this movie seem to think that they invented uh, trading across islands. Did you do you think that we just had everything on Guam and then like we and then y'all just landed here and are like, hey, has anybody thought about trading with the other islands? It's like no, we'd always done that.
1: What did, what did they what did they say? Oh, if it without us, they have nothing. It's like well, but then how did they? But then how did
0: they? Yeah, if it doesn't grow here, they don't get they don't have it. It's like. Literally, we we were a seafaring people, and we traded between the islands for like two thousand years. But like, but okay, Travis. Yeah. Like, but like,
1: this whole idea of like, oh, if without us they'd have nothing, they wouldn't be able to. Like, then how did they get there? Then how did they get? To, yeah. Like, yeah. You, like, you are the you are the thing that's like disrupting life in this region. <laughs> It's crazy. So we, they good. can't kick us out now if 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 we're gone, who's going to who's going to save them from us?
0: Yeah. <laughs> the whole plot too Uh-oh. also revolves around like the only decent thing the U.S. military does in the region, the talk of shutting it down, right? Like, not shutting down the firing ranges mm-hmm. or, like, giving back some of the land to the people. They, they, uh, they
1: take these things. Yeah. They take these sources of good PR, right? Mm-hmm. And, they, and they ring them to death, right? So the unit I used to work for in Germany was really unique because it was a combined unit of U.S. Mm-hmm. airmen and also German nationals right and this is like one of the oldest military units uh in germany from like basically right when the war the war ended and there was supposed to be compromise and uh cooperation between american and german forces and every single year they run pretty much the ex- they ran pretty much the exact same kind of feel-good story about oh there's a a unit out in the in in europe where military Men from the United States and uh, local nationals from Germany can can get along, and, and we're we're not so different, you and I. And it was just it was just absolute fluff, right. and they run it every single year the same way that they're trying to now do it with this Christmas drop business. The one good piece of PR, like they'll never talk about like all of the people that airmen rape when they're in foreign countries, which is one of the reasons why they're bringing the base from Okinawa to Guam. <laughs> they're just fed up.
0: Yeah, because the locals were so pissed. They were so fed up with the amount of sexual assault on the on local women that they were like, "Get the fuck out of here." This has like been a thing Oh, for years. For decades. For as long as I can remember, they have been talking about moving the Marines there. As long as I can remember, I remember them talking about the reason for it, and everyone being like, "Yeah, it's gonna be really bad when that happens," because there is obviously our government is even worse about taking care of victims of self uh, of sexual assault. There's nothing stopping them from wreaking yeah. havoc on local on locals. Yeah, the
1: only the only reason they're motivated to move that base is because apparently there is a finite amount of rape and sexual assault that a local community will put up with uh, yeah. until the, until that you absolutely cannot stay there anymore
0: <laughs> before it's an international incident. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
1: exactly. I- exactly. And I think that number was like somewhere in the, t- somewhere in the, h- the low hundreds. Christ. Yeah. Which one is too, by the way, one is too much,
0: but the way they handle it too, is also like the, the military famous for handling sexual assaults carefully. <laughs> it's
1: kind of our thing. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's kind of your thing. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, dropping babies everywhere, like all of these, uh... People that get impregnated and, like, um, you know, God for, God forbid you can't prove it. And then you suddenly just have a baby by, a, like, an airman or a fucking marine or some shit. And then you have zero resources to take care of it. Although you'd probably be better off in Japan taking care of a baby than on Guam by yourself. Because that, that sucks. <laughs>
1: right. Yeah, because Japan has, like, somewhat decent social Social services, better
0: than the U.S. Anyway, right? Um, and healthcare, <laughs> but <laughs> the big one, healthcare. Um, but yeah, like this whole this whole movie was just. It also is just like really trying to prove that the mil- like the military was like efficient and they spent their money wisely. And it's like I feel like anyone in, anyone that's been in the military or adjacent to somebody in the military knows that that's- they
1: understand how waste how wasteful the military is. Yeah. Just in terms of not in like trying things out or attempting to do things that don't go right. But just in terms of the things that they purchase and the things that they actually end up using, I think we lost, The Air Force alone lost something in the realm of eight hundred million dollars through an attempted switch from our legacy information, like knowledge technology, to a new system. Basically, you know, going from XP to Visa. Basically, they lost eight hundred. Well, I think eight hundred million dollars. And it didn't even work, and it didn't, wow. and, it, and it never actually happened. I need to get the actual number on that. But that's, but the, the thing is, that's a drop. That's a drop in the bucket compared to what we've spent um, in the Middle East maintaining this war. Well,
0: yeah, because I mean, our entire okay, so our entire military budget is seven hundred and last time I checked, seven hundred and sixteen billion dollars. This is yeah. what another thing too that I like to remind leftists of is that military salaries are nothing like they are for the amount of shit that you have to do uh and and go through and the separation from your family and the various trainings and the like always being on call when you're like active duty and shit oh yeah it they don't get compensated enough it it seems like a lot it's not
1: there is one reason why there are so many jobs in the military that you would hear about and think oh why why does that need to be in the military the reason is It's cheaper to have people join the military and do those jobs than to hire them out uh, privately on contracts because people would never put up with the amount of work that you would have to do for how little pay they give you, given all the conditions that you have to go through. Also, which is you know being away from home, not knowing where you are going to work for the next you know two to two to six years. Mm Things like that, yeah, it's 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 insane.
0: Yeah, and then like there's also the issue of unless you're going to be like a career military person, the the transferable skills. If you're in a really specialized skill set, like you basically just have to stay there or like try to retrain yourself in something else once you get out uh, with the GI Bill that you might get or like that might cover all your costs for education, maybe.
1: Right. Yeah, and then not and then not to mention the process that you go through. When that skill set doesn't transfer mm-hmm. at all and you end up like most veterans, which is just out of the service, uh, you've left a place you've been living for years, you have made all these friends that are now off, still doing mm-hmm. still doing their own thing. Um, most people don't have a plan when they get out. Even if you undergo all the little bits of training and stuff that you have to do before you separate the transition assistance program, whatever they, whatever they call it. Most people still don't actually follow through with those plans to do things like go to school or try and start a small business or work for a family member. Usually what happens is they kind of just end up mm-hmm. burning through what a little cash they saved uh, before before they got out. But
0: also it's like it, it, if you came from a place where there weren't many opportunities to begin with and for whatever reason you couldn't stay in the military or you like you, need, you needed to go home after your after your contract was up like you're basically going from like being in poverty mm-hmm. and then being in a very specialized uh field and then going right back into that poverty usually because usually people w- like will want to go back home, right? After they've done their tour. There's no uh, there's no transferable like wealth because you're essentially like you're not going back to a place with a ton of opportunities usually if you join the military for economic reasons to begin with. So you're returning to possibly even worse conditions than when you entered.
1: Right. Not to mention, it's hard to save money when you're paying... 24% interest on a 2012 Camaro, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. And then, like, I I just don't think, like, from every veteran I've talked to, I just don't believe that the transition, that that they make it easy to transition out of the military because they don't want you to. Like, the whole goal is not go to college, serve your country. (laughs) It's like, we're going to trap you in this cycle so we can keep getting this cheap labor out of you. And you can't even complain about it. You can't even, like... You can't just quit like a regular job because then we'll just throw you in prison.
1: If, if it was if it was so easy to transition out of the military, there wouldn't be over two hundred registered five hundred c's nonprofits directly involved in assisting veterans in transition out of the military. Right? There's a reason why that's
0: crazy. There's that many.
1: Yes, yes. Some of them are just local chapters of, the, of uh, the same organization in, diff- in different states. Sometimes they operate differently. And then some of them are, are national chapters, like the uh, Farmer Veter- Veterans Coalition, which is basically this group that tries to take people with those transferable kind of maybe mechanical skills and then beca- and become farmers, right? And the reason that program exists is because even with your time in the military, whatever money you would have saved up, whatever skill set you would have gained, it's still harder to become a farmer at that point than it is to just stumble into it as a civilian. I
0: mean, like the way things are shaking out right now, like I I don't see going being in the military as being a uh, like and, tra- and and trading, you know, years and years of your life for the for the benefits you get is worth it because you're also
1: Oh, and it's and it's the it's the best years that mm-hmm. you have. It's your it's your some people are still teenagers and it's your early 20s, you have the mo- you've got energy, you've got yeah. motivation to do stuff. And you end up spending it on sometimes this big effort, and you have absolutely no idea if and how you contributed to it, or if it was even a good thing to be a part of. You know.
0: And that's another thing too is um, I, I real like I'm I'm always very forgiving of people that join the military for economic reasons, or even if you're just young and naive and you've been preyed upon by recruiters, which happens in poor communities all over the country, right? Like people are young and naive, and unfortunately, that the current system uh, picks up on that and is like, "Good, we'll get them while they're young and idealistic and patriotic, right?" And if you don't have people looking out for you that know better, you get trapped, you get wrapped up in it, and then you suddenly, you know, you're suddenly deployed. And yeah, and
1: these are the people who come out. These are the people who come out worse for wear. Let's be let's be Mm -hmm. real, real quick here. The people who stay in and have long, prolific careers in the military usually already have a previous military connection. They're their dad or their uncle uh, was a lieutenant colonel somewhere they've got a good word in the buddy the, the good old boy system still works for them. The people who are the people who transition to veteran lifestyles and have health and financial and, and um, you know familial problems those are the people who got suck kind mm-hmm. of suckered into it either through an unscrupulous recruiter or because they were just, like you said, so financially pressured that they had nothing else to, they had nothing else they could offer.
0: I just I really feel for people like and and most people do it for economic reasons. I believe that because I, I, we saw that on Guam. I mean, how many of our yeah, I mean, how many of our uh, friends and relatives do we know in some branch yeah. of the military? Right. That's why I'm not like that's why as you know as a leftist i'm not ready to give up on veterans or i'm not even really ready to give up necessarily on active duty people because the the military can be has been very radicalizing for a lot of people and the thing is we need to catch people when they're struggling like this and when they're realizing that they are contributing to a system that they don't want to contribute to that they're um they're going through these traumas for basically peanuts and they're damaging their bodies and their minds um sometimes irreparably for this system that will not like that will just let you die in the gutter when you get out of it like the way we treat veterans in this country has never been good. There has never been a time in, in, in the history of America where we have had a good system set up for them.
1: We should we should differentiate between what the, the treatment that we're, we're, we're talking about, though. Like I, 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 for one, don't know a single veteran who likes being thanked for their service. Right. This 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 weird <laughs> like <laughs> attitude. That America has with its veteran veteran population, that's going to backfire one day when people keep putting people up on pedestals only to find mm-hmm. out that most veterans actually have significant severe problems that go untreated and that go, un, go unassisted, and that makes for pre- pretty radicalized, troubled individuals.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I I think it's just also really unfair to um, categorize a group of people that are literally just trying to survive as like heroes because it's the same thing we're seeing with um with what they're doing with the pandemic with essential workers right with like, people at grocery stores and nurses and stuff they're like you're a hero and it's like I forget who said it but it but I think it was somebody somebody on Twitter tweeted this and they were like you know they're they're calling essential workers heroes so that people start feeling okay with sacrificing those people.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's for per- that, perfect. Because of the
0: inefficiencies of our government. It's like, ah, the, my, my, you know, my grocer was a real hero. It's too bad. He died of, you know, he died of COVID. Thank you for your service, Mr. Grocer. It's like, no, no, no. That guy didn't want to fucking die to serve you like to, to ring up your groceries.
1: Right. Essential workers do not want to <laughs> fucking
0: be heroes. They want to just fucking make a paycheck. Like I guarantee you everyone would be fucking home right now if they could. But like this whole like right. valorizing of every single person in the military is also just like really like it's kind of an insult to actual heroes that do heroic shit and not just some guy who's sitting in like a navy office just fucking eating skittles.
1: Right, and 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 the other thing is you can't be a hero against your will there the, because because the
0: yeah otherwise right it's some because
1: that, that involves some what right some implied level of sacrifice right that you did something that right. cost you something but it did something better for somebody else i mean how many of these healthcare workers also can't afford to lose their fucking their fucking jobs you know?
0: I mean, most of us right now can't afford to right. not go to work. Like, that's the reality. Like, I'm not going to work because I like, I just feel like it. It's like, no, no, no. I would be, I would be at home every single day if I could. Every time I go, go to my job, I'm like, is this the fucking day I get it? Is this the fucking day I get it and give it to somebody else? Like, right. that's what the rational thinking is. But like, yeah, I can't even imagine what it's like to be in the military right now and to be like on a ship. <laughs> like,
1: I so I still have you know I still have friends that that, that are that are in when I, I I went in in 2010 got out um 2014 15 had to have been had to have been 14 Yeah. Um, and you know so when when I when I came in I came in with people from Guam from Saipan from some of the surrounding islands. Mm-hmm. Uh, miraculously we all ended up in the same kind of um, flight they call it right in, in boot camp all the guys all the guys that you go through with um, I still keep in touch with them. I still keep in touch with other people. And they all kind of describe this really insane atmosphere, right? Because if you're a Trump supporter in the military, for example, you know, you don't, yeah. really, ha- you don't really have to hide that. Whereas, like, if you're a Bernie supporter, you, you, you know, you're liable to make your job a lot harder for yourself if you make that known.
0: If you even identify as a progressive in a lot of workplaces, you will be vilified like for being a progressive Democrat, like the most milquetoast shit ever.
1: Right. It's, it's, It's literally more harmful to your career to be gay or queer than it is to sexually assault somebody in the military. And I mean that I mean that I mean that wholeheartedly.
0: (laughs) No, it's Yeah. No, I think those are like really important um, conversations to have. And I'm always just like really grateful that I could use you as a resource because you you're you're not you're not only uh, uh, ex-military, but you seem to keep up with the issues a lot, which is nice because I can always kind of like be like, hey, what do you think about this? Well,
1: the thing the thing the thing is is part part of my job is I I work with uh, an enormous military community. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's an interesting role to be in it may that's the thing that makes me kind of stay in in tune with all the things that are going on with the military as this basic it's basically a, a, its own separate society from the united states that just occupies the same physical space but i try to keep in tune with that i try to i don't know sneak some socialist <laughs> talking points in when i when i can where i can but for the most part i i have to be prepared to to work together and um compromise the people who have lived pretty intensely, you know, different viewpoints than my own. So, Can
0: you explain a little bit more about what it is that you do for your job?
1: Sure. I, I, I probably won't, won't drop any specific details, but uh, essentially what I do... So my, my background from university is in um, plant science, in horticulture science, as we call it. In the past, I've like had these this role as basically a researcher and as a junior scientist. And so just developing... Uh, these modalities for thinking about plants and asking and answering these big questions. The beauty of my job now is that I still kind of work on this academic plant science content in the sense that I I put together educational content for the community. I deliver it. I try to figure out what educational needs they, they have in terms of like Are they trying to establish food banks and, you know, CSAs and things like that? Or do they want to know more about composting and water protection? The other side of that job is this military outreach function that I do. And so basically I use horticulture as the kind of backdrop for delivering services like vocational training and um, uh, therapeutic services. So specifically using a garden as a space where therapeutic activities can happen, like meditation, Mm -hmm. uh, self-therapy, different CBT exercises Um, in in the sense that if you you can work out at home, but you can also work out at a gym. And the idea is that we've created this space horticulturally that uh, helps facilitate that healing process or uh, the educational process of someone who is trying out new ideas in horticulture and wants a place to havoc as a sandbox very cool
0: yeah i we're we're definitely gonna have to do a plant episode because i feel like more and more you know we're gonna have to rely less on the systems that are all around us and create our own systems you know as socialists that are trying to look out for each other we got to be a little bit more self-sufficient and kind of work together to create a newer system that is uh more i guess collaborative and restorative than what the our current food systems that we have going on right now and I think a big part of that is going to be, um, you know, people that are passionate like you about plants. So uh, thanks for doing that work, man.
1: Yeah, it's. Um, Thank you for
0: your service. It's
1: <laughs> fuck you. <Sorry. laughs> in any sense, no. I think you. I think you made a lot of really good points. Um, there, there isn't a calorie deficit in this country so much as there is a deficit in, in nutritionally in terms of fresh foods and and, and vegetables, and so. If anyone has some interest in that space, definitely reach out to me uh, about how you can you know, create these community needs-based projects, how to assess the needs of the community and how to kind of meet them where and they are. And how
0: would we be able to find you on the internet if we were curious about that?
1: So you can look me up, meet me up under my uh, normal extension information, Christopher Imler, MSU uh, extension. Uh, I, I work with the consumer horticulture group, mm-hmm. right? We cover all areas of horticulture that are um, small scale at the kind of residential base. So people who are operating either just a little backyard garden, a community food plot, or they have a small, you know, one acre hobby ranch that they're trying to manage. Those are the kinds of people that we deliver services to. And then we also consult for other 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 various functions throughout the state, like uh, food security and food access um, through the. Are different various institutes throughout the extension.
0: Uh, ben just got a grow light for my peppers that were not doing well. Um, so now we have a good, now we have a, a grow light because uh, yeah. I
1: remember that conversation. Yeah, with ben. yeah.
0: <laughs> he, he like finally bought one, and it's a uh, it's in our kitchen now, and it's rehabilitating my my doni peppers <laughs> that are were, that were not doing well. Uh, and I was embarrassed to ask you about them, so. <laughs> I was like, he's gonna say something really obvious, and I'm gonna be yeah, like, "Yeah, that's, no. act- that's
1: actually that's so that's actually something that we we do a lot as extension agents, are t- taking just questions mm-hmm. like that. Sometimes people just want to know, like, hey, how do I not kill yeah. this plant? And for us, that's that's a worth that's a worthwhile conversation because a we're bringing people more into the horticulture yeah. kind of space, right? And b we're teaching people how to grow things more efficiently. And anytime you grow something more efficiently you're using less water, using less electricity and power, and you're using less fertilizer. So it, it seems like it's very roundabout, but the more people know about how to grow plants well, the less things they try to put into it to try and make up for that lack of knowledge. The idea is, it, it, it's, it seems kind of very roundabout, but the idea here is on a, on a scale of millions and millions of people, these small changes and these small improvements in people's knowledge Will collectively help us reduce the amount of energy um, and um, environmentally impacting chemicals, right? Pesticides, uh, fungicides and uh, fertilizers.
0: Hell yeah. So we're definitely going to do a plant Q&A episode with you because... I feel like that would be like crazy beneficial.
1: And I still have one last bone to pick with this fucking. Oh movie. yeah.
0: Okay. Please do tell, because we kind of just stopped talking about it. But it's fine because it was really dumb. The about.
1: one. So uh, there are just so many falsehoods in this movie, yeah. right? Just from the random lore being made up about lucky geckos and visiting the f- five, the only five <laughs> yeah. beaches of Guam. Oh uh, everything was just. They 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 could, they could have had a two minute conversation to come up with anything real. The one real thing that they said in this movie, the one true thing that they said was at the end, and I marked the time, it was a minute an hour and twenty-five minutes in. It's an unsinkable aircraft carrier. Oh, and that was where they spilled the beans on. Off. That was where they spilled the beans on themselves. Because exactly that 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 was actually what the base what, what the uh, yeah. the island is to them. It's not this beautiful gem in the Pacific with with this, it is though, but to, to them, it wasn't this beautiful gem, wasn't something that needed to be preserved or the people needed a little bit of help to just, you know, get them by with their can do, with their can do attitude. It was at an hour and 25 minutes in an unsinkable aircraft carrier, which is the only reason that. We have Operation Fucking Airdrop,
0: and also I would just like to touch, uh, like the last thing, because that's a I, that's really the cherry on top. But just as a little side note, I thought it was hilarious how there was so almost no mention of the Navy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what, a, what an absolute like, yeah!
0: What a fucking diss, dude! Because it's like <laughs> the Air Force doesn't even have the most oh planes; God. the Navy does. Right, like the Air Force doesn't have nearly as many planes as the Navy.
1: Maybe I don't. I don't. Is that just I, a myth?
0: I, oh, I don't, I'll cut. I don't, I'll cut I don't this know. out later.
1: <laughs> I mean, they're they're all they're I, all te- they're that... all terrible employers. Let's just.
0: <laughs> yeah, they're all bad. But I just thought like the it's like they won, like it's like somebody whoever their Navy liaison is at at the State Department needs to step it up because y'all are losing it in the propaganda department. You had like this could have been your chance like you could have been like oh yeah the u.s air force and the navy but it's like
1: so the marine so the marine corps needs to drop their mother's day Network special <laughs> in response then
0: oh, <laughs> oh my god yeah so yeah i'm glad we did this this was really fun um i i will definitely be editing this for our podcast um and thanks for coming on uh i guess i'll i'll talk to you in the family group chat bro yeah because, because i'm a hot girl i do hot shit hot shit hot shit because i'm a hot girl